Be Christ's Church. Impact the valley. Reach the world. All for the glory of King Jesus. Welcome to the North Roanoke Podcast. Today our lead pastor, Daniel Palmer, will be opening God's word for us. Our prayer is that you will encounter the living Lord as you hear his word proclaimed. As we start a new year, the word is the foundation of of everything that we do. So the title of this morning's message is The Word-Centered Church. And I'm going to have to ask you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We'll begin in verse 2, continue to verse 7, and it's going to be a while before we get there. So the Word-Centered Church from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 through 7. And there's really like three sermons in one this morning. I need to settle my heart. Would you pray with me? God, help us. Help us in the next moments to come to, to hear from you. God, not to hear from me, but to hear from you. God, I, I pray that you would speak. Lord, that you would remind us of what you've already said. God, that we'd be attentive to your word. Lord, that that we would be broken in places we need to be broken of of patterns that don't please you. That we would would be encouraged to to lean in and to press in in this new year even more as a church and as individuals and as as couples and as singles. God, to lean into who you are by leaning into your word. And God, to to recognize that if we don't have your word, we have nothing, but because we have your word, we can know you, and therefore we can have everything. God, help us to really internalize that today. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to begin, as I said, with a reminder of the vital importance of God's word. To be a church that magnifies the name of Jesus, we have to follow the word of God. We see that in Revelation chapter 3, verse 8. When the church at Philadelphia is commended by Christ, he says that they are to be commended because they followed his word and have not denied his name. Those two things go together. You can't affirm and magnify the name of Jesus and ignore the word of God. When we stray from God's word, we are headed down the path of straying from Jesus. When we ignore God's word, we are ignoring Jesus, when we define our spirituality by how we feel in any given moment rather than by the facts of the gospel as communicated in the word, we risk falling away from Jesus. To be a Jesus-centered people, a Jesus-centered church, requires that we be a word-centered church. You can't be all about Jesus and have little to do with his word. The word must be Central, And I don't mean central like the center act in a three-ring circus, right? Like, well, we got one act over here, and there's a whole independent act over here, and another act over here, and you just pick where you want to put your eyes. No, the, I mean central like it's the central nervous system of everything that's going on. It is the center of what we say, do, think, hope for, expect, and believe. But why does it have to be at the center? I mean, why not a band-centered church or a recreation-centered church, or a casual apparel-centered church, or a suit-and-tie-centered church, or even a a mission-service-oriented outreach church. Why can't those things be the center of the church? Because as Jesus said to Martha when she was consumed with much serving, but had little time to sit at Jesus' feet and hear His words, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but one thing. In fact, he says only one thing 
is necessary. And what was that one thing? To be seated humbly at the feet of Jesus, receiving His Word. Does that mean we don't want to love, that we don't want to serve? Of course not, but those things flow from obedience to God's Word. If you put service and mission ahead of God's Word, then you'll go dig a bunch of wells that provide water for people, but you'll never give them the words of life, and they'll die and spend eternity in hell and say, why didn't you share with me God's Word? The Word of God must be central. It is the one thing that is necessary. When we listen to God's Word, that is when we are seated at the feet of our Master, the Lord Jesus Christ. When we sit under the Word, we are letting Him set the agenda and the plan and letting Him tell us what truly matters. And if we're honest with ourselves, we know that our flesh wants, just like Adam and Eve, to run away from being tethered to the Word of God and to instead put ourselves at the center. What did, what did Satan say to Eve? Has God really said? Can't we warp His Word just a little bit? Can't we shave on the implications? Can't we add a little bit of our preferences to the formula? And as soon as we've done that, we've taken a bite of the poisonous fruit, of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil. Jonathan Lehman writes this in his book, Word-Centered Church. Our fallen condition causes us to give undue importance to what is on the surface. Reminds me of what is said in 1 Samuel 16, 7. God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God is aiming for our hearts And as we're going to see afresh this morning, the way that God gets to our hearts is through His Word. But I'm afraid that that Christians in our country are forgetting the Word. And it's not just my opinion. In 2019, Barna Research reported that just 5% of people living in the U.S. are Bible-centered in their lives. 5%. This means that they interact with the Bible frequently, that it is transforming their relationships, and that it shapes their choices in life. It's not just that they know it in their head, but it's impacting how they live 5%. Now, between 16 and 18% of evangelicals in, uh, of Americans are evangelical. So if 5% of Americans are word-centered, but say 16 to 18% claim to be evangelicals, that they are Christ followers. That means that two-thirds of the people sitting in church pews or watching online who claim to name the name of Christ, two-thirds of them are not Bible-centered in their life. That's alarming. Because the people of God, the Word of God shows us, are a people who delight in hearing from their King. They want to read His Word. They want to meditate on His Word. They crave His Word. They want to honor His Word. When they fail to keep His Word, they want to run to their King in repentance and treasure His Word all over again. They want to keep striving to honor God by aligning their lives with God's Word. At the end of Deuteronomy, just before Moses is going to die and the people are going to enter into the promised land, Moses says this, take to your heart all the words with which I am warning you today. Not to your head. Take them to your heart. Now, for it to get into your heart, it's first got to go through your head. There's no way to get the word into your heart without it going through your head. But get them down into your heart, which you shall command this word to your sons to observe carefully, even all the words of this law. Listen to verse 47. For it is not an idle word for you. Meaning it's not trivial 
It's not small. Indeed, it is your life. Is the Word of God life to you? The Word of God is how we hear from God who is life. It is, it is life. The Word of God is life-giving. Paul likens the Word of God to milk and to meat. It's spiritual food. One of the greatest evidences of genuine salvation is a desire to be fed. You know that you're alive because you're hungry. And won't be long, I'm going to need a sandwich. And therefore, I know that I'm alive. If you're spiritually alive, you should be hungry for something. And what you should be hungry for is the Word of God. To hear the One who came to save you. As Jesus says in John 10.27, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. And yet, 5% of people in the United States are Word-centered in their lives. Which means they're centering their lives in something else other than the Word of God. I want to illustrate for you the lack of concern for God's truth, God's Word in America. And I'm going to use an illustration by Jonathan Lehman in his book, Word Centered Church. It just hit me between the eyes. He said, imagine that you move to a new city and you're you're visiting churches, and you're assessing and evaluating where you want to plant your life. And he says this, you you take a few minutes, you've come to the church for the first time, you take a few minutes to cast your eyes about the room and take it all in. Observe the others, whether they're in ties or shorts, whether they're old or young. You observe the furniture and the decor and the platform staging down front. You leaf through the bulletin. You consider it's This is written pre-COVID, when you could hand out bulletins, right? You leave through the bulletin, you consider its design, the church logo, the announcements, the list of programs, the, the weekly schedule. You put the bulletin down and you look around all over again. Impressions are forming in your mind. Feelings are beginning to rise up. Is the place comfortable? Is it folksy, austere, hip? And then he writes this, The service hasn't even begun. But many have decided it's too old or too young. Too institutional or too irreverent. Then he asked this question. What's most important to you as you consider whether you'll come back to this church? What is it that you most want? Do you want more than anything else, to hear from God? Do you want the Word of God? Jesus says it is those who hunger and thirst for righteousness who will be satisfied. For the Christian, what we should want more than all those surface things is to hear from God, to know and enjoy His presence, to be compelled in His mission, and all of this requires the once for all time, perfectly and divinely inspired Word of God. God God has spoken and it is what compels us, motivates us, and it is what we need. And the church that honors Jesus must be one where the Word of God is prized and cherished and taught, where it is read, where prayers and the policies and the procedures and the structures reverberate and reflect with the Word of God. Why? Because Jesus says, the one we just sang about, the one we claim to love says, if you love me, you will keep my word. 
then he says this, and my father will love him. And listen to this, we will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus links our following of his word with his presence in our lives. There's been pages and pages written about experiencing God, but there is no experiencing God separated from his word. When a Christian reads the Bible, the Bible is also reading the Christian. So hearing and reading and reciting and praying and singing the Bible isn't just a mental exercise. It is the way that God gets down into our hearts and He communes with us. When we read the Word of God, we stand before the King of the universe. God's Word is an extension of Himself. And it is by His Word that we know Him. This is why Paul urges us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, to let the Word dwell among us or in us. He's writing to the whole church, not just us individually, but church family. Let your gathering be a home. Literally, make your gathering a home for the Word of God. Is that what you want out of your church? For it to just be a home where the Word of God dwells. I'm afraid there's a tendency in Christian life today to just want to be able to close our eyes and experience God's presence without His Word. Can, can you imagine? I, I was. I have a friend named Jonathan. He served in Iraq for eight years, and for eight years I prayed for his safety. I got to see him one time in that eight-year period, real briefly, and then he was gone again. And I remember when he came back after eight years, I called him up on the phone. I was like, "Man, we got to get together." He was like, "Man, that's going to be awesome." And we got some chips and some sauce, and we sat on, sat on the couch. Can you imagine if in that moment, I, after barely being able to talk to my friend for eight years, if I said to him, hey, Jonathan, I don't want you to talk to me right now. I just want to feel your presence. Crazy, right? We know the presence of God by His revelation, by His Word. We want God to speak to us because that's how He communicates the very core and essence of who He is. To walk with, enjoy, and follow Jesus faithfully. To know His presence in our lives. We've got to be surrounded by consuming the Word of God. In the New Testament, God's Word is central to the birth and growth and the health of churches. Throughout the book of Acts, as new churches are established, we read verses like this in chapter 12, verse 24. The Word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. Whenever churches were established, it wasn't just that people got saved, but the Word of God multiplied because true Christians are little ambassadors of our King who are filling themselves up with the Word to take the Word to others. And in our text this morning from Paul's first letter to the church at Thessalonica, founded during his second missionary journey, one of the, one of the first few letters he wrote, perhaps Galatians, was written earlier. He writes to a church that he had to leave quickly. We read about its, its founding in Acts 17, but he had to leave quickly because Jews were persecuting him in the city. And so he runs out and continues on his missionary journey, and now he's writing back to the church, and the church has some anxiety and some questions, and he wants to write to them to assure them of, of their salvation and their standing in the gospel. And we'll break in at verse 2 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We give thanks to God Always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and 
labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of God, our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, by God, His choice of you. For our Gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. There's two things I want to show you from this text. The first is this, God rescues people through the hearing of His Word by the enabling of His Holy Spirit. God rescues people through the hearing of His Word by the enabling of His Holy Spirit. As I mentioned, Paul's writing to a church with a lot of questions and he's, he's building them up. In verses 2 and 3, he says, look, I've heard of your faith and your love and your hope and all of these things that you're doing motivated and compelled by these Christian virtues are happening through your union with Jesus in the presence of the Father. I, I see that you are the real deal. And then in verse 4, he goes a step further. Do you see verse 4? I'm going to paraphrase it in this way. He says, look, I know that you are beloved by God and chosen for salvation. Now that's a radical statement. So often in ministry we say, look, I hear your words, but I can't see your heart. I don't really know if you're in the family of faith or not. We can talk, but at the end of the day, it's between you and the Lord. And there's a sense in which that's true, but Paul says, look, I was there when the church was founded. And in verse 9 he says, you were following idols and then you turned to the living and true God. And it was radical and it was instant and the word of God came and everything changed. So he says, the reason that I know your believers, verse 4, is because of what happened in verse 5. Do you see it in verse 5? Our gospel did not come in word only, but by golly it came by word. It had to come in word. The gospel cannot come in any other way other than words. Have you ever heard, you know, the only Bible somebody may ever read is so-and-so, some person, by, by their good deeds? And that, that's good, right? It's, it, it reminds us that we should show good deeds, that we should be kind to people because of Christ, and all that's well and good. But at the end of the day, you haven't heard the gospel if it hasn't been communicated in words. You have to hear the words of the gospel in order to receive the gospel. You say, well, I don't understand that. Well, imagine trying to give somebody your phone number and say, I'm going to give you my phone number, I'm just not going to use digits. It doesn't work. To communicate the gospel, you have to communicate the Word of God, and it is God's Word that is powerful. We know this, right? Because God creates by His Word. In the beginning, there's nothing, and God makes everything by His Word. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, we read that God sustains the universe by the Word of His power. And here, in Thessalonians, we get, a, we get an insider's view of God's Spirit using God's Word to change sinners into saints. To regenerate their hearts of stone and give them hearts of flesh. This is a miracle. It's the miracle of God when the Word of God goes out and the Spirit of God meets it and changes somebody from the inside out. Jesus calls it being born again. Paul calls it regeneration. He says that we were dead, we were old creatures, and we've become new creatures in Christ. Nothing less than the same powerful Word of God that was at work to make everything can make us new. Which means that if we really love and care for lost people, 
If we really want to see people rescued by God, we must always be a church that is centered on the Word of God. Apart from the Word of God, there is no salvation. Why do we make such a big deal about God's Word? Is the power of God unto salvation. God's words aren't like our words. We often say a little less talk and some more action. But God's word is action. His, his words move by God's spirit and do what the spirit desires. He says his word never returns void. In John 6, 63, Jesus says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. All the things that are on the outside, all the dressing, all the stuff that people look at first is of no help at all. We must have the Spirit give life. And then he says this, the words I have spoken to you are Spirit and life. The Word and Spirit go together. Where the Word is proclaimed, the Spirit does His work. And we see this not just in Thessalonians, but over and over in the New Testament. I'll give you three examples briefly. Peter says his readers have been born again through the living and enduring Word of God. James says, in the exercise of His will, He brought us forth, how? By the Word of truth. Paul says, in Romans 10-17, faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the Word of Christ. Are you convinced that the Word is important? Do you see why it is so essential to get the Word in the hearts and minds of our children and our students as early as we can? In the book of Acts, wherever people are saved, we see the Spirit of God changing the hearts of people through the proclamation of His Word. In Acts 2, you remember Peter's famous Pentecost sermon. He preaches the Word of God. And what does it say in verse 37? When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. You know what pierces the cold, wicked heart of a dead sinner? The Word of God preached in the Spirit of God. The Spirit pierces hearts and rescues sinners where the Word is faithfully proclaimed. Which means, church, a church can have a great band, and we do. They can have great coffee, and we need to improve on that. They can have comfortable seating, we could probably improve on that too. They could have more attractive flooring. Yes, praise Jesus. We need that too. We can have all those things. But if we do not treasure and proclaim and live God's Word, it will be in vain. If the motivation for any of those changes is to make much of us rather than to make an even better platform for the Word of God to go forth, it will be in vain. It is God's Spirit acting through the hearing of the Word of God that brings life. This means that North Roanoke must ever be a Word-centered church, for that alone is the power of God and the salvation for all nations. Apart from that, there will be no conviction of sin, there will be no salvation, and there will be no spiritual growth. Where the Word is lacking, there are none of those things. So the second thing I want to show you is what the Word of God did in the people of Thessalonica. God works through His Word to set us apart from the world and make us more like Jesus. 
although the church in Thessalonica was persecuted when the word came to them, notice what Paul doesn't do. He's not like, all right, now here's your political strategy to limit persecution. Or here's how we're going to tell the word, the world, that the word really isn't as radical as they think it is or as offensive as they think it is. Paul does not anywhere in this book or anywhere in the New Testament give us instructions on how to water down the Word, apologize for the Word, get around the Word, or act like the Word isn't that big of a deal. The Word is a really big deal. It shows us who we really are, who God really is, and that He's our only remedy, and a lot of people don't want to hear that message. But Paul will not compromise on that message. and says He says in verse 6 that they received, they welcomed, they embraced God's Word as it is. Being word-centered is not that popular today. It's better to be edgy or novel or cute. But none of those things make us effective in the kingdom of God. What made the church at Thessalonica effective in the kingdom of God was the implanted word of God that they received. In God's eyes, it is the church that embraces the Word in all things that will become, do you see it in verse 7, an example for others to follow. How do we go from serving the idols of our lives to be an example that others can gladly follow? We must receive the Word into our life. It must overtake us. It must reorient our lives and our desires. Our overriding desire is no longer to imitate or to pattern ourselves after the stories and the assumptions and the agendas in our society, but rather it is to mimic, to become a pattern after other faithful believers. Do you see that in verse 6? They became imitators of us, meaning Paul and and those who were with him, and of the Lord. How did they become those that were following in the example of Paul and of the Lord? They did it having received the Word. This is what the Spirit of God saves us for, to become more and more like Jesus. Not to sit on the sidelines until Jesus returns, but to be a pattern that others can gladly follow. Which means that we need the Gospel not just to save us, but to keep us growing in Christ. We'll never get away from the Gospel at North Roanoke Baptist Church. I love what Charles Hodge says. The Gospel is so simple that small children can understand it. But it is so profound that studies by the wisest theologians will never exhaust its riches. And I'm convinced that many genuine Christians are locked in a persistent emotional turmoil because they're trying to find satisfaction for their souls with little connection to God's Word. You're not going to find it. Because God is gracious He's not going to let you feel like everything's wonderful while you're putting the Word of God on the shelf because He wants to speak to you and He's spoken in His Word. The only way to become an imitator of the Lord is to embrace His Word even when it's hard. Like the Thessalonians, even when you're persecuted for it. Even when you're called a bigot. Even when you don't get that promotion. Even if you should be like our Lord crucified, we, may, we remain riveted to the Word of God. One of the main lessons of the Bible is that we can either listen to God's Word or we can reject it. When we receive the Word, the Spirit changes the disposition of our heart. He confronts the idols of our lives and He frees us to live for Christ in accordance with His Word. 
So we see from Thessalonians that God's Word saves, God's Word sets us apart, and God's Word sets the agenda no matter what the world says or does about it. But there's a temptation for churches today to soften our stance on God's Word. Try to build a crowd in other ways. A nice recreation ministry, skinny jeans and hair gel. I like hair gel, by the way. My wife's appreciative for the invention of of hair gel. It's done wonders. I, I spent the first 25 years of my life trying to figure out how to get my hair to cooperate. I'm not saying hair gel is a bad thing, but you can't build a, hair, build a church on hair gel and skinny jeans. But churches all across our land are watering down the Word and its implications. We're saying, like the world does, love is love, but that's not true. Love is only love if it's defined in the way that God has defined it. Pastors are getting pressure in their inboxes and over social media every single week to shave on the truth of the Word of God. We're not going to do it. God has spoken. And only God's Word can save. And praise God, Thessalonica didn't bend and they didn't break. They faced intense persecution at the beginning of their church. There was nothing fancy or hip or cool about the church at Thessalonica. All they did is say, we're going to imitate Paul and we're going to imitate Jesus as His Word has been revealed to us. And Paul says to them, it wasn't your flashiness that God saw because there was nothing flashy about you. It was your faithfulness. And look what their faithfulness to the Word of God did. It impacted Macedonia and Achaia. It went from Thessalonica all over the island of Greece. They went from following idols to following godly examples to being godly examples. Why? Because they received the Word of God. So let me ask you a question. Same question I asked you several minutes ago. As we enter 2021, what do you really want? Do you want to hear from God? Do you want to know His Word? Because the reality is, as COVID ends, whenever that happens, tomorrow would be great, Lord. Whenever COVID ends, there's going to be an enormous temptation before us. You see it, right? The pandemic has been hard. We, we want to see more people rescued from sin and added to the kingdom. And by God's grace, we will see those things. But here's the challenge. God's Word sometimes works really quickly, but more often than not, particularly in a culture and a place where it's been heard over and over again, God's work, Word works more like a crockpot than a microwave. Does anybody here know what a crockpot is? It takes time to marinate and to season and for the for the fruit to be known. In Mark 4, God's Word is like a seed that goes into the ground and it takes a long time for the seed to germinate and to grow up and for us to see the fruit. In Isaiah 55, God's Word is like water and rain and snow watering the ground, giving life imperceptibly. You don't see it. And then suddenly you see it. And here's my concern. We're going to be tempted to look around at other churches and magazines and church gurus and they're going to be telling us to take care of all that stuff that people see on the surface. 
and to neglect the word of God. At North Roanoke Baptist Church, God is my help, and as long as you'll have me, we're not ever going to abandon God's word. And don't misunderstand me. I pray regularly that one day we'll have 750 people in attendance at North Roanoke Baptist Church. Why 750? I just think that's what it's the number God put in my heart. And every two years, we train up 150 of those people to go plant a church somewhere else. Maybe go to the Bronx, uproot their lives, quit their jobs, go to the Bronx, take on those cultures, help those church planters, and say, we're here to help you be missionaries in a whole new city. We can do that. Not us, but the Word of God can do that. The Spirit of God can do that. It might take time, it might take a long time, but I, I believe wholeheartedly there's lost people all around us and what they need more than cool and hip and chick and, and all this stuff on the periphery is the Word of God. You say, how many times is that going to happen? I don't know. But I pray we set a pattern, so help us God, that just happens over and over again. We grow, we send out. We grow, we send out. We grow, we send out until... Our King comes. So as we move forward, I anticipate there's going to be all sorts of things happening in the culture around us to try and attract the crowd. But at North Roanoke, we're going to be people of the Word. God alone can save. God alone can sanctify. And He does this by His Spirit through His Word. You say, well, how can I apply this message to my life today? Get started. It's... January the 3rd, is that right? Three days into the new year. Maybe this is the year you commit for the first time to reading the Bible all the way through. You say, there's no way I can do that. I'm not a reader. Okay, how about the New Testament? I promise you, if you take the time you're spending on social media and instead use it to read the Bible, you'll make it through the entire Bible in a year's time. I, I guarantee it. If you take half the time you're spending on social media, you can easily make it through the New Testament. I promise you. Secondly, get a partner. We do, better, we do things better together. We go to the gym. We, hold, we run together. We hold one another accountable for all sorts of other things, for our diet plans, our exercise. Find somebody and say, I'm going to read the Bible through with you this year. Download the app which I'm forgetting, the Read Scripture app. It's got great videos that introduce each book and help you stay on a, on a schedule, and it'll even notify you on your phone. It's time to read the Bible. You're getting behind. Don't get behind. When you are spiritually struggling, go to the Word first, not last. Some people are so ashamed when they're struggling, when they're down, when they're despondent, and they leave church. They, they leave behind the Bible and Christians and Sunday school and small group. The very thing that God will use to restore your soul and satisfy you and nourish you, you run away from it, you put it on the shelf, and you're like, why do I feel so bad? Duh. When you're spiritually questioning, go to scriptures, not to social media. Y'all, memes sometimes are fun and funny, and sometimes they're really lame. There's a lot of bad theology in the memes that are masquerading on Facebook today. I read some of those memes, I'm like, oh, Lord, help us. Examine and filter everything through the Word of God. If you're a parent, do whatever you can to get the Word of God into your child's heart and mind as early as possible. Sing the Word of God to them. Read the Scriptures to them. Memorize Scripture with your 
kids. And finally, in all things, trust God to work through His Word. Sometimes imperceptibly, sometimes like a revival, dozens, even hundreds come. But if we are faithful to proclaim the Word, God will do the work. Would you pray with me? God in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you that though you are God in heaven, we can know you right here and now because you have spoken. And Lord, we pray that whenever we emerge from this global pandemic, God, that you would find us to be people of the book. That you would find us putting our hope and our energy and our time and our focus, God, into knowing You by knowing Your Word. And Lord, as we do that, that You would then compel us to get Your Word to others. Because You alone can save. And God, in a room this size, there's got to be at least one who's heard the Gospel. They, they know that they're a sinner. God, they know their sin separates them from Your love, but they have now heard Your Word and Your Spirit is working in their life and they, they sense, God, that You are drawing them into everlasting life through faith in Jesus. And if there's even just one, we pray that in a moment as we sing, that they would come and confess what we're going to sing, that we need You. Lord, we need You. And God, there might be some here today that say, I want to be a part of a church that is anchored in the Word, that's tethered to the Word, that, that lets the Word inform everything they say, do, think, and believe, and that's going to encourage us to stay in the Word. God, if there's somebody here that, that wants to be a part of a church like that, Lord, I, I pray that You would bring them today to join and partner in this great work. God, we're so thankful for Your Word. We pray that you would help us to be faithful to you. Because we love you, Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the North Roanoke Podcast. You can connect with us at northroanoke.org or download our app in your device's app store. Just search for North Roanoke. We hope to meet you soon.